Hello and welcome to Strange Stuff. My name is Andy. And uh, I'm Mark. Yourself a cup of tea. I've just. I this have minute. not. What have you got? Campari and soda. Funnily enough, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, Ilva's son Alex left um, a can of mojito in my fridge. A so can I'm drinking of mojito. that. That's very down market for you. A can Is of it? mojito. A can. Well, yeah, actually. Mojito doesn't come in a can, it comes with a topless barmaid. <laughs> well, actually, it's not bad. It's quite refreshing. Makes a change from Campari soda. How alcoholic is it? Not. Four and a half percent. Oh, that's pathetic. So it's like a beer. What, what's the base drink of a mojito? It's rum. Vodka, isn't it? I don't know. Maybe it is rum. I have, I don't, well, I mean, I, I drank them while I was in Cuba. And Cuba's oh, national export is rum. Of course, when you rum. were in Cuba. <laughs> well, that's where the mojito is from. It's lime, yeah. mint... Lime, mint, vodka or rum, and that's about it, isn't it? I don't know. We didn't, we didn't have cans, so I just drank what well, no. was given to me in the glass. <laughs> it's not the sort of thing I would buy, but um, it's in my fridge. It's mine to drink. See, I use that logic with my daughter all the time. If it's in my fridge, it belongs to me. Damn she right. just well, doesn't what do you mean? get it. What other logic would you employ? Oh, exactly. My fridge... My goods. I've been accused of stealing so much stuff from my very own fridge. <laughs> not anymore, though, of course. No, not anymore, thank God. How's that working out? She hasn't moved home? No, not yet. I think she it's, hasn't it's been... on the cards. She hasn't been sober enough to realise she lives on her own yet. <laughs> She's moved out. God, yeah. Your teacup is like a fishbowl as well. Yeah, I don't do things by halves. Clearly not. Um, are you on that still that sack of Thai food tea that you bought <laughs> yeah, two years ago? That's going to last me until oh, at least the summer. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah, but there's not too much to report from my side. I've been actually I've been working outside for the last two days. It's been pretty chilly, hasn't it? Surely. Uh, yes, but um, I wonder what raining is called in English. Where you're clearing shrub with not a strimmer, but a strimmer with a blade on the end. No idea. But I have to uh, clean the whole area down by the lake, otherwise it gets out of control. Can't you get an unemployed to do that? What do you mean I am unemployed? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean a needy unemployed. <laughs> no, no, I, I mean, I, I find it quite satisfying actually doing it myself. So, um, so yeah, so I've been getting some fresh air. And I've done 45 minutes on the rowing machine today. Any pain? Uh, no, 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 pain-free now. I'm into the routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're just waiting for me to show up one week with my back bent, in, bent double. Well, it's going to happen. <laughs> well, uh, it's incredible how uh, quickly I actually feel my back is so much stronger now than previously it's only been three weeks what do you <clears throat> how do you feel that exactly uh just being able to uh, when i get up 
when I'm tying my laces up, I just feel there's so much more strength lifting my body up. Lifting your head. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, no, it is. Standing, for, it sounds ridiculous. Standing in front of the sink, washing my face. Uh, you know, you feel, you actually feel your back is stronger. Core. Uh, I mean, I do get, I do get some various aches and pains from work, but that's generally different positions. I'm in at work. But uh, are you standing or are you sitting most of the time? Standing mostly. All right. I can't do that. That 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 does my back in really badly if I'm standing sort of still for any length of time. Well, maybe that in itself is exercise enough. Uh, could be. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. I don't tend to have back problems. Although one of the guys I work with has got a back problem at the moment. He's quite young. Oh, lots of people do. Lots of people do. Yes, no, other than that, not too much to report. Uh, though, of course, um, Sweden hit the international news on Wednesday. Oh, with the first female Wednesday. first Tuesday. female PM lasted all PM. the 12 hours. Seven hours. <laughs> and they're celebrating now the Swedes because, quite thank God, there's, there's no longer an environmentalist in the uh, government. What, what, what have you got against environmentalists? They're fucking retards. Have you seen what they're doing to the UK? Well, firstly, you don't use that word anymore, Andy. Oh, and sorry. Exactly. <laughs> and what on earth are you talking about? Oh, what have well, they done to the UK? There aren't any green MPs in the in England, are there? Um, well, Boris Johnson is being run by one. Her hand is directly up his fucking asshole. <laughs> what do you mean, the missus? Yes. She's an environmentalist. Don't be stupid. Oh, it, who do you think's responsible for the um, diesel and petrol cars being phased out in the next three minutes? You think that's her? Do Absolutely, you? it's her. Well, and what's wrong with that? Actually, uh, well, there's no infrastructure to replace them. Oh no, no, no. All right, so that, yeah, I agree with that. But there's nobody wrong in with the, the UK can afford an electric car. No, 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 no. The technology in the electric cars is still in its infancy. The batteries are more poisonous than oil ever was. Uh, That, I'm very interesting to find out. In 15 years, what we do with several million tonnes of old batteries from Tesla. It won't take 15 years. They don't last five years. Well, well, no, we have had things like the Prius, Toyota Prius. We've had that round a good 15 or 20 years. No, but I agree. No, 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 I completely agree. And no one, I think we've talked about this before, no one's ever actually asked the simple question of the politicians, where's all this electricity going to come from? Well, exactly, and I'll tell you where it comes from. It comes from those nasty, smelly, coal-fired generators. In Germany. (laughs) That produce electricity. Here's a good one you. you. You can't call yourself green just because your filth is produced in another country. Of course not. No, that's no, no, not, that's, that's complete not e- hypocrisy. That's not even offsetting. That's just lying. No, 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 you're right. Um, no, 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 you're, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, it's completely crazy. Also, I'm waiting for the big one when someone's going to turn around suddenly and go, fuck me, have you seen what's happened to the price of electricity? Oh, I know. <laughs> I know, but in fact, uh, fun enough, I have been toying with the idea of fixing for a few years my electricity prices because uh, electricity prices the forwards are still indicating that electricity prices will fall from this level yeah indicated by whom or what well the 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 futures market you can you can lock in for three or five years at a cheaper rate than you can buy electricity now yeah i mean you can do that as a customer yeah i might do that when i move and of course that ridiculous situation in england 
I think it was called Bulb, electrical supplier for oh. 1.7 million people. Yeah, and they owe 4 billion or something. Well, or 7 billion. This How? is what's absolutely insane. You have the Conservatives, I don't know how many years ago, saying we're going to open up the energy market, it's going to be competition, it's going to be good for everybody. And now they're having to spend billions of pounds bailing these companies out because they were all run by their old mate idiots. Yeah, who they set up in business in the first place. Exactly. I, I think it's 26 electrical companies have gone belly up so far in the last two months. Yeah, and the reason... with the a reason, completely flawed business plan. Yeah, because, they, they, idea. because they, rely on, they rely on imported gas. It's just in, insane. So, yeah, so the British government is bailing out bulb... Well, it's not the first time they've bowed out a big bunch of wankers, is it? No. No, 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 absolutely not. Just go back to 2007, 2008. It's amazing they can find, always find the money to bail out the fucking retail. Uh, Okay, sorry. (laughs) That they put in in position in the first place. No, you're right. Uh, They do. But uh, when it comes to finding a £20 note to stop granny being in pain in the last 20 minutes on the earth, they haven't got a penny left. No. And, um, uh, of course, that was also this week, this um, cap on um, on uh, care costs when you get old. Yeah, we, we spoke about that last week, actually. Oh, did we? But that's actually passed now. Yeah, of course. Oh, it only scraped through, though. Well, so I that's OK, then. 30, well, some Conservatives did object. Yeah, but that was a, that was a, a staged objection. That was always going to pass. Because yeah. I mean, when when did the conservatives ever vote for poor people to be happier? This is um, this is why I can't actually understand. Never, I don't yeah. think um, they don't give a toss. Uh, they which don't. is which is one of the main reasons I am so against this Nazi type determination to inject everyone in the planet with their poison. <laughs> How did we jump across to vaccines? Well, because it comes to it comes down to your health. When does your government ever care about your health? Never. So why are they so keen to pump this shit into everybody's system? It's not for your they, health. Yeah, but I don't think they're doing it for for a philanthropic. Well, they're doing they're it for profit. Not doing it for philanthropic reasons. They're doing it to protect their own mates who have Nonsense. factory workers producing Nonsense. their goods and eating in their restaurants. Nonsense. Of course, Nonsense. they've got to keep the wheels turning. Yeah, Otherwise, those... who's going to lose out? Reese Mogg and Co. Nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, yes, Pretty Patel. I don't know if you saw her, that poor fellow's funeral, but Pretty Patel is... The poison uh, dwarf. Is the, I don't know if you call it, real-life personification of Cruella de Vil. She looks like Cruella de Vil. Yeah, and she looks like not only Cruella de Vil, but Cruella de Vil in drag. <laughs> <laughs> she really is a piece of work, that one, I'll tell you. Um, I'll tell you, she must be a reincarnation of Joseph Mengele. Could be. Actually introducing politi- policies that would have prevented her own parents from entering the country. And given her the right to kick them out, no questions asked, and rescind their British passports. Well, and in fact, did you uh, hear about these, we, we spoke about some weeks ago, these poor Windrush people. 
Oh, yeah, I know. Do you know how many people they've uh, compensated out of the thousands that they kicked out of the country and re or were entitled to It's about 300. Yeah, it's 5% have actually received any compensation four years after it was ruled after they it, were entitled exactly. to it. Yeah, but Absolutely. that's because, and I can guarantee this was word for word in the lunchroom in the Commons, hang it out until they die. You're absolutely right. That's literally what I think happened, uh, has happened. And yet uh, she stands up making speeches about how caring England is. It's just absurd. Whilst also planning to torpedo dinghies as they come across the channel. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> no, but she really is a piece of work, that one. Well, I mean, she... she we've spoken about before how she's already been sacked from one cabinet position for lying only to be immediately put into another one by Boris who I'm definitely sure she's had her tongue round his underpants more than one occasion <laughs> it's the only way she could possibly get that job to, I don't want to it's even have that image in the only way she could possibly have got that job yeah and it's not like he's shy or fussy <laughs> no not after that um who was that American that woman? Crazy that's... American shrew. <laughs> <laughs> that was another Cruella de Vil type going on I mean, jollies all around the world. And then the and then independent a committee for, for whatever it was called found him innocent. Yeah, of course, because it was about as independent as his <laughs> dog. Oh, dear. Anyway. Boris Johnson, what a laugh. Did, did you actually listen to that Peppa Pig speech? I, I heard it a couple of times and it was incredibly amusing to listen to. Vroom, 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 yeah. vroom. And, and, and Peppa Pig and, 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 and another thing about Peppa Pig. And you think, who the fuck is he talking to? I suspect. And it, it was, was like when, it, when he said, hands up who's been to Peppa Big World in the CBI <laughs> conference. Uh, well, my nanny's certainly been. <laughs> I reckon it was the missus that dragged him there with the two kids. He's never been there. I, put, I bet if you put someone in front of him in a Peppa Pig costume, he'd scream rape. Or he would try to fuck it in the face, like he did at the lunch club. Oh, no, that was David Cameron, wasn't it? <laughs> Was it he got caught at one of those lunch clubs, did he? Yeah, he face-fucked a pig, didn't he, as part of his initiation. They tried to pretend it never happened. Sorry, I'm, I'm willing, I'm willing to bet that it happened. <laughs> I don't even want to ask what you're doing to a pig when you're face <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the pig had been decapitated at the time. Oh, I see. So he was, it was a roasted, using himself as the orange. Or it was, the apple, a, it was a roasted pig pig's head. <laughs> I'm hoping it was roasted. <laughs> I wouldn't like yeah. to go in raw. That pigskin could be quite scratchy. <laughs> oh, dear. Really, that was David Cameron, was it? Yeah, there was a big thing about that in the papers for a while, years ago. Quite anyway, amusing. Um, uh, that fellow Darkra, what's his name? Dakra, the editor of the Mail, he's back. Oh, they're still trying to get him a job. No, 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 no. They gave up with that. He was, it was Boris Johnson who wanted him to be the head of Ofsted. That's right, yeah. That would go down well. I mean, having, talk about uh, having the, uh, I don't know, what's the expression when you have the prisoners running the jail or the something? lunatics in charge of the asylum. Asylum, the lunatics in charge of the asylum. I mean, God. And so that bloke that they got in, 
who'd been there about six months or something and was actually starting to produce the occasional balanced article in that newspaper. Of course, he he gets kicked out the door and that lunatic returns. He he actually looks like the wife of Corella Deville, the, the husband. The sorry, the husband of Corella Deville. He is a very. I've never seen. Are we talking about Priti Patel? No, no, no. Well, she, we know is what she Priti married? Patel, I think she she's. I think she's a crack snacker. What? Priti What's Patel. What's a crack snacker? A lady who likes ladies. Oh, I don't. I don't have a clue. We can check out. She's a bit she's too married. butch. She's a bit too butch for my liking. I mean, I've got nothing against crack snackers. But that's probably why uh, Carrie allows um, uh, Johnson to uh, have her as uh, home, what, whatever her name is, minister. Home secretary. Home secretary. I'm going to Google it as we're speaking. Is pretty, is pretty Patel, Patel a crack snacker? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what will happen if I. Is well, you would probably you get P-R-I-T-I. Yeah, you would probably get directed straight to Bloody Alpha, This is worrying. Can you see this? <laughs> no. The is... first thing is Pretty Patel married. So I had typed into Google is pretty, and the first thing that comes up is Pretty Patel married. How that's, the hell can anybody else be interested in that? That's because your Google is listening to you through your microphone. Obviously. In fact, the fourth one down is probably you. Is Pretty Patel fit? (laughs) (laughs) Fit for a good beating. (laughs) Anyway, we'll see. Oh, my God. You're not going to believe this. What? She's married to Boris Johnson. (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah. But, you know, (laughs) he's about... I've got to show you. It was a shame we can't get the listeners. He's about twice her height. Well, yeah, but let's face it. No, no, no. She is only three foot six. Do you think? I know she is. You look at her in any photograph or any TV thing. She's always up at someone's waist height. Right. And and she has been pictured, and I think it was in a Daily Mail where they had they uh, she made she made them let her stand on a box to take a picture (laughs) like a fucking orange. (laughs) Here we go. The the two uh, the two first in the search. How tall is Pretty Patel? How tall is Pretty Patel's husband? It says here, five foot three. You're right. Yeah, five foot three. There we go. Yeah, she'd get on well with uh, Rasputin. Oh, Rasputin. Now, do you remember anything about last week's episode? I do actually quite a lot. Uh, he's back in Russia. He's pretty stinky by now. And what I'm really waiting to find out is, in his state of stinkiness, did he actually get into bed with a Romanov princess? Because I'll be really gutted if he did. My life of hygiene extreme. And then you get some really stinky dude who manages to uh, get into bed with all these uh, high-ranking individuals. Well, at the time, the Russian princesses were ranging in age from 8 to 13, so I certainly hope not. Oh, right, OK. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And if that makes you feel jealous, then I think I have to question your motives. No, but I was thinking the mum must couldn't... The, 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 the one that got dragged into the forest with all the kids... Alexandra. She wasn't very old. Alexandra. I would imagine she was 30. She was in her 30s. Yeah. Zarina. 
But anyway, we'll, we'll, that, that's all for later. All so right. last week we talked about how Rasputin grew up drinking Vody, reading mines, stealing horses, pilgriming all over the place, and generally Running away from gay monks, and generally swinging his donkey dong around Siberia and Greece. <laughs> that's right. And after realizing his hometown was a bit small for his ambition, he set out for the Russian city of Vashel Kazan. Kazan, I was pretty close. Nowhere near, about <laughs> two and a half thousand kilometers away. <laughs> well, he had at this stage developed quite a reputation as a holy man because it seemed like the further you walked, the more holy you were. Yes. And he gained a fair few followers due to his piety, his sobriety, and the sorcery he'd performed with the horse thief and his visions. Visions okay. were taken extremely seriously in those days. And if you had one without being either blind drunk or on mushrooms, it was more or less a hotline from God. Okay. He was referred to as a priest by many, which remember was inaccurate as he hadn't been ordained. And the church at the time was tied to the state as Catholicism was the state religion. And they even had a holy, a holy cabinet position, uh, the Holy Synod. And as Russia was approaching the October Revolution, and people were unhappy with the government at the time, it was the perfect time for a, a charismatic outsider with supernatural powers and a magic stanky dick to show up and start making noises. Okay. So, sorry, October Revolution. What year are we? This is nine, uh, 1870... No, the October Revolution actually took place in 1905. 1905. So, so this bloke is um, uh, this well, stage. He'd be about Yeah, in fact, exactly 33 when the October Revolution was would take place. But right. we're not quite there yet. Okay, right. So remember, image was important to Rasputin. He understood the power of image and imagery and rumor, and it's highly probable that he cultivated this homeless, raggedy look complete with the yak butt smell, to mark him as a character or as an eccentric while using his words and his intellect to basically mesmerise people and get them to accept his message. All right. And using his peasant persona, he endeared himself to the upper classes by speaking to them inappropriately in a way that they found quirky and charming and nobody had ever dared talk to them that way before. He basically addressed them the way he'd address other peasants. And during his long walk to Kazan, he'd become tanned and toned, so he cut an even more impressive figure than usual. Tracy would have been all over him like stink on shit. I will question Tracy next time we see her whether the picture of Rasputin got her going. Now the church, in fear of the populace at this stage and their unrest, embraced Rasputin as they saw him as a bridge between them and the peasants because Rasputin really got on with the peasantry and they accepted him as one of their own and he really made a connection with them. And one of the first people he met in Kazan was a priest named Gavrel and Rasputin told Gavrel that he should watch out for a young priest called Father Philip. And just a few days later, this Father Philip attempted to stab Gavrel to death. What? Now, Gavrel survived, but this incident confirmed Rasputin's status as a mystic or seer. In reality, it's probable that Rasputin was just very, very good at reading the room, very observant, and he sensed hostility between the pair. And assassination was a legitimate route to promotion in those days. Legitimate. Well, yeah, it was, it was It was either wait till someone dies or kill them. You didn't get, year, you didn't get yearly reviews on the ladder of promotion in the church. No, no, you're right. Med Arbeta's Samtal, you don't get that anymore. No. Annual reviews. 
Yeah. And while he was in Kazan, he embellished his reputation even further by seeming to be able to cure depression simply by having a conversation with the sufferer. So he would sit down with someone and chat with them for half an hour and they'd walk away in a, a better and happier state of mind. Now, a lot of people thought, uh, think today that, that he could have been just a very, very good hypnotist. All right. And it's quite possible. He certainly has got the mad staring eyes for it. Could be. And the bump in the middle of the head to, to concentrate on. Yeah, and the unicorn horn. Exactly. He made lots of connections with the higher classes, but also among his peasants, uh, the peasants and his peers. In particular, he formed a friendship with a young hotshot monk called Iliador. Iliador I don't know what a hotshot monk is. This is a monk who was um, a monk with personality, much the same as Rasputin, but a much cleaner version. He had the face of an angel. He was a very pretty boy, mm. but he, he attracted followers the same way as, as Rasputin did, but not quite with the same amount of love and worship that Rasputin was able to inspire in his followers. What was this guy's name? Iliador. It's a great name. Iliad, yeah. It sounds like he should be a Lord of the Rings. Could be. Well, Iliador will play a large role in Rasputin's Tower, but later on. Okay. So they became mates. They became mates for a while. So impressed by Rasputin was the Bishop of Kazan that he made further introductions to powerful and rich people. And it was him who finally sent Rasputin onto the capital, which at the time was St. Petersburg. Okay. Good to know. So not Moscow. No, it's it's switched between St. Petersburg and Moscow quite a few times. Much the same as um, England has switched between London and, oh yeah, London. <laughs> Your little joke, Sandy. Uh, I know. I make me laugh. So... At this stage now, he has no need of the pilgrim route anymore. He's got his followers. The church have accepted him and his fame has spread far and wide. So he travels to St. Petersburg, first class, on the train. Still, s Still smelling like a dead bear's armpit, but otherwise doing okay. Now, St. Petersburg was made for Rasputin because it was hedonistic, large, cosmopolitan, with a bustling social life. It was the opposite of Moscow, which was grey and dreary and pretty much what you would expect Russia to look like 120 years ago. Okay. Almost as soon as he arrived... He attended a meeting with three bishops which had been set up by the bishop in Kazan and Rasputin made three very specific predictions. One of the bishop's mothers would die soon, another would have an illegitimate child and the third would suffer a hernia. All three of these predictions are said to have come true in very quick succession. All right. Now, I'm almost getting goosebumps. There is debate over whether this actually happened or if it was a rumour put about by his followers. His followers, in their attempts to show that they were closer than other followers to Rasputin, used to embellish and make up stories to make it seem like they were held in his greatest confidence. So it is, it is possible that that didn't happen but it's it's recorded in more than one place okay yeah but anyway this brought him to the attention of a much higher church official called Theophan who had the ear of the Tsar Nicholas III and the Tsarina Alexandra Theophan was very taken with Rasputin and used him to his own ends showing him off to the well-heeled people of St Petersburg the people were growing bored of the church particularly the nobles and were exploring the occult more and more so a larger than life mystic who looked like Rasputin, was invited to all the best parties. What? Yep. I wouldn't want to be in the same room as this stinky man. But bear in mind, you're talking about 120 years ago. Again, no Netflix. 
They're going to the same old dreary parties week after week, meeting the same dreary people, and someone says, oh, next week, I've got someone you'd love to meet. <laughs> Was that your Russian pirate <laughs> That's my Russian accent. pirate, yeah. I've got someone you'd love to meet. He's big and stinky, and he does magic. Ah. Well, it is amazing that uh, being so skanky looking that he actually goes to all these highbrow parties and things. Well, this is how he's making his connections and gaining power. Do and you it think is... he actually went out with the intention of sort of networking to crawl his way up? Absolutely. Oh, I see. So he was an ambitious... He was, uh, as we spoke about last week, he was ambitious, but he didn't really want power for himself as such he just wanted to be next to the power all right like he, the eminence noir the fellow in the background the pulling wor- the or, or like worm tongue i don't know what he that wanted is. to be whispering in the ear of the emperor okay yeah 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 now it was at one of these parties that rasputin met the duchesses of montenegro also known as the black princesses and these two were the original goth chicks they, all right they were all about the occult dressed in black, and they were always on the lookout for any new mystics or sorcerers that happened along. They were also very close to Tsarina Alexandra, who surrounded herself with these practitioners of dark arts, being as she was of a superstitious and very sensitive nature. Yes. Rumours about these two goth chicks were rife, and their palace was said to have the nickname Evil Central. Okay. Now, they treated Rasputin a bit like a pet monkey to be paraded around and shown off and they probably thought they were using him to further their own reputations but the reality was that Rasputin was gaining more influence and power than they were and now he had direct access to the Romanovs okay so let's talk about the Romanovs the Romanovs have been in power in Russia for 300 years and this was true power in the days of empires we were ruled by emperors then we had kingdoms ruled by kings now we just have countries. That went right <laughs> over your head, didn't it? Clearly. <laughs> Maybe I'm taking a sip of my drink. What do you have to say it again? Oh See my if I God. get it. In the days of the empires, we were ruled yes. by emperors. Yes. Then we had kingdoms ruled by kings. Now we just have countries. <laughs> I get. <laughs> Good one, Andy. God, there's going to have to be some editing there. That was my best line. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I enjoyed the yak crack line. <laughs> well, the Russian Good Empire, <laughs> the Russian Empire, was a true autocracy insofar as they had a parliament or a Duma, as it was called, and they had the church, which was tied to the state. But the emperor had absolute and unquestionable power. Okay. Since Catherine the Great had pissed off so many people with her reign, which was based on serfdom, and she viewed herself as an enlightened empress and sought foreign policies and relations while causing famine and unhappiness amongst her own people by selling all the grain produced and conscripting all the peasant classes to fight the Ottoman Empire, among others, while exempting the nobility from that service. Okay. After her reign, they made a new rule, which was that never again would a woman rule Russia. Only, what? Yep. Only male children could now become emperor. Uh-huh. She was called Catherine the Great. 
Yeah, she was the Empress of Russia, but this was a couple of hundred years earlier. But she wasn't so great. Uh, well, she was probably called Catherine the Great by herself. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, dear. Don't forget, it's those in charge who write the history. That's true. Yes, indeed. Now, it was because of this rule that this time the current ruler was Nicholas III, who was known to be weak and ill-suited to rule, but he was the eldest male child. So what are you going to do? Yep. He made lots of disastrous decisions, but by far the worst was when he ordered troops to open fire on a peaceful demonstration in 1905, which led to the October Revolution. This in turn led to a constitutional monarchy, whereby the Tsar would now be held in check by the Duma. But Nicholas never really took that bit to his heart. As far as he was concerned, he was chosen by God to be the emperor. And it wasn't helped by the fact that nobody among his advisors had ever or would ever tell him that he was wrong. In fact, there was an instruction in the court that he was never to be contradicted. His wife, Alexandra, was a granddaughter of Queen Victoria and as such had brought with her a legacy from the British Queen, which we'll go into later. Nicholas and Alexandra had an arranged marriage, as was custom in those days. But as it happens, they loved each other and they set about making an heir to the empire. Alexandra was the only person who could talk honestly to her husband and because of his complete lack of confidence and his unsuitability to lead, she became his closest advisor. This was not a good thing. Oh dear. What, she, because she was a... She was of German descent. Oh and, yes. And the Russian people distrusted her because of, well, Germany. Yes. She was just also described as cold, morbid and aloof, which didn't endear her to anybody. Okay. Also, she didn't speak Russian. Tsar Nicholas didn't speak German, which was her heritage, so they what? used to speak English together. You're joking? No. Nope. Really? 1905, the emperor spoke English to his missus? Yep. Good to know. Their attempts to make a baby boy were thwarted four times when Alexandra kept pumping out girl childs. And she saw this as a sign from God that she needed to be more spiritual. So she went a bit mental with the God-bothering and started seeking out mystics and soothsayers to help her in her quest for the conception of the male child. And who did she find? Oh no, this is before Rassi's time. All right. This led her to being introduced to a Frenchman called Monsieur Philippe by the Black Princesses, who was basically a con artist who'd been kicked out of medical school years before, but still practised what he called occult medicine using, and I quote, psychic fluids and astral forces. Excellent. Psychic fluids. Once again, I yearn to have been born in those times. (laughs) (laughs) I would have been so wealthy. He claimed Um, he could select the sex of an embryo using astronomy, cocaine and bullshit and give the Romanovs the much-needed male heir. A clue to the veracity of his treatments was that he also claimed to have a collection of magic hats which could make him invisible. (laughs) Now, a sign of the times, a lot of the nobles and courtiers actually took this seriously and they treated him with respect. A few more... to acquire the magic hats. Well, can you imagine the fun you'd have hanging around the royal toilets? It's not the first thing that would jump to my mind, Andy, but carry on. A lot more, however, were very anti-Semitic, which was rife in those days of Russia. Mm. Uh, And he was eventually forced out of the court. But before he left, he told Alex that one day she would have another friend like him, but that this one would be able to talk to God. Then he put on his hat and vanished. Excellent. Oh, I made that bit up, but... 
It should have happened. I was almost going to do a do 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 do. It should have happened. The strange thing about this as well was that although he was chased out through anti Semitism, he wasn't actually a Jew. <laughs> what? <laughs> he was what, just. They a, confused him for being Jewish. He was just a Frenchman. Oh, somebody accused him of being a Jew and it stuck. Shortly after Felipe left, Alex finally gave birth to a son. Okay. Born. On July the 30th, 1904, and everybody was happy for a few months at least. Okay. And now, a word from our sponsors. So after that word from our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> now, the legacy of the interbred British royal family meant that Alexei, the son, was born with haemophilia. Uh, no blood clotting agent. Exactly right. Alexander naturally thought that she'd upset God again but it was all really down to Queen Victoria, who'd introduced it to the most of the rest of Europe's rulers. Two of her daughters were carriers of the gene, and as they were married off into other royal families, notably the Spanish, they spread the love. Her son... Is that right? Yeah. Queen Victoria was a haemophiliac, or she carried the gene? She carried the gene. Her son, Prince Leopold, he actually had the disease. Really? Okay. Now, haemophilia, it's, it's a bit more complicated than just a, a lack of blood clotting agents. It, it, you can, I mean, there, is, there, there are those that say, oh, if you cut your finger, you can literally bleed to death, which to an extent, that's kind of true. But the real danger lies with internal bleeding. Okay. And if, if you sort of bang into a doorway and you bruise your arm, that, that bruise comes up from internal bleeding. Okay, And yes. that's, that's the kind of bleeding that you cannot stop if you're okay. a haemophiliac. It's very, very dangerous condition yeah so that was alex uh, the son alexi. finally the son yes alexi who's got and he actually had it yes right now Rasputin had been in st petersburg for two years by this time and the black princesses knowing that as long as felipe was around he wouldn't get anywhere near the empress so they kept him waiting in the background now he was gone however on november the 1st 1905 rasputin the black princesses and the Romanovs met for tea at the Imperial Palace. It was supposed to be like an informal, hello, here's some tea and a cake, now fuck off you smelly peasant. <laughs> but because Rasputin knew how to play to a crowd, especially a rich one, they ended up sitting there for three hours. He called them little father and little mother, which they loved because nobody had ever dared to be informal with them before. And this made it so easy for Rasputin to talk to them because... All he had to do was be the peasant he actually was. Mm -hmm. After the meeting, Tsar Nicholas asked one of his top advisors, an army general of some kind, what he thought of Rasputin. And he told him he thought he was insincere, unbalanced and probably suffered from an inflamed brain. True to form, Nicholas went completely against his advisor's opinion and he slowly let Rasputin into his and his family's life. From that okay. point on, he was not known as Rasputin to the Romanovs, but as Gregory, or simply, our friend. Okay, well done Rasputin. For two years, Rasputin ingratiated himself with the royal family, impressing upon them all the while his skills as a healer and a holy vessel, until one day in June 1907, Alexei fell in the gardens and his, his leg began to swell from internal bleeding. Alexandra called on Rasputin for the first time on a professional level. Professional? He wasn't a doctor. But he was a healer. Healers no. carried more weight than doctors in those days. Really? Well, let's face it, the qualifications to be a doctor in those days was being able to write your name illegibly. <laughs> Much like today. 
except now you have to have a fake diploma from a university as well. God, I hope you never get ill, Andy. But the, their knowledge of medicine, even 120 years ago, was basically, if it's bleeding, cut it off. <laughs> well, it was. I mean, look how many amputations happened during World War One and World War Two in field hospitals. Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It, anyway, they, so they, they you're not going to tell me that Rasputin heals this little fellow. They called them sawbones for a reason. Well, it goes a little bit deeper than that because because Alexei was next in line, it was imperative that nobody knew about his condition and it was uh-huh. kept a very, very close secret because if anybody saw weakness in the in the emperor's line, yep. it could cause yep. serious problems. So almost nobody knew about Alexei's haemophilia. The fact that Rasputin knew tells us just how far he'd wormed himself into their lives by this time. Yep. Yep. So Rasputin comes to the palace and he spends the night in Alexei's room praying. And the next morning, the swelling is gone and Alexei is 100% better. None of his previous medics or healers had ever had this kind of success or indeed any success with this kind of injury before. So Alexandra immediately and quite naturally thought that this must be the man of God that the invisible Frenchman had told her about. Yeah. And is there any speculation as to what he actually did to this fellow, Alexei, to actually cure him? Yes, but you're jumping the gun a little. All right, all right. (laughs) So from then on, Rasputin was golden. He was kept close to be always available to help Alexei whenever he was in pain. And this this can happen three times a day with haemophiliacs. The slightest little bump can cause a problem. The amazing thing is that there are corroborated accounts that Rasputin actually could help the boy and heal his symptoms. And nobody knew how he could do this if it wasn't with God's help. There was one occasion, even, while the family were on vacation in Poland and Alexei had an injury that left him so ill he was given the last rites and even he seemed to know that he was dying. A telegram was sent to Rasputin begging him for help and he sent one back saying the boy will be fine just make sure the doctors don't bother him too much. (laughs) Well God knows where that came from. (laughs) Miraculously the next day Alexei recovered. This is documented. Right. How did he do this? Well, there are theories, as you asked, and we will discuss them. There are some people who think that a lady-in-waiting was in cahoots with Rasputin and would drug the boy to bring on the symptoms, only stopping just before he arrived to save the day and make Rasputin look good. Okay. The problem with this theory is that there isn't a drug that mimics the symptoms of haemophilia. It would be a pretty high risk. Can you imagine getting caught drugging the next in line to the throne? Yeah, especially as a lady-in-waiting. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there are others still who think that he drew on his mysticism and used hypnosis, which he was very talented at. And he would hypnotise Alexei and calm him, making his blood vessels contract and slowing the flow to the inflamed areas, allowing for natural healing. But nobody ever saw him hypnotise the boy. Plus, right. remember the telegram. Yeah. Rasputin by this time was drinking like a sailor again. And on one occasion, Alexandra telephoned him to come to Alexei, but he was too drunk and just said, oh, the boy will be fine in an hour, and he was. Coincidence was mooted, but Alexei's maladies happened a lot. No matter how careful you are with the boy, the slightest bruise could cause enough internal bleeding to kill him, but Rasputin saved him every time. This was not coincidence. Yep. Now the As theory say, I'm almost getting goosebumps here. The theory that really works for me is actually the simplest one. In about 1895... 
a new miracle painkiller had come onto the market, which wasn't aspirin. based on opiates, thus making uh-huh. it safe and addiction free. Aspirin. Uh, up until this time, all doctors were basically charlatans who would peddle mercury and leeches to cure ghosts in the blood and generally killed more people than they cured. It is 100% sure that Alexei's doctors were treating him with aspirin, not knowing in those days that one of its side effects is that it acts as a blood thinner and is probably the worst thing you can give to a haemophiliac. Rasputin would always make sure he was alone with Alexei when he was healing him. And remember the telegram? Make sure the doctors don't bother him too much. How or if Rasputin knew about this side effect or if he just thought that all doctors were witch doctors and charlatans isn't known. But this shit worked and it kept him in favour with the Romanovs. Amazing. So it was either a happy coincidence or he really did have healing hands. There's one more theory. Now, you remember last week we talked about how Rasputin was a bit of a horse whisperer. Yeah. This is connected to something else that horse whisperers can do, and that is called blood stilling. A horse whisperer could take an injured horse that was bleeding, massage the wound, utter some words, and the bleeding would stop. This is a documented phenomenon. Okay. And there are some people who say that could be transferred to humans. However it was done is unimportant. What matters is that by now, he is more or less the Empress's right hand. Everybody in St. Petersburg knows who he is and that he's now a VIP in the court. He even had his own rooms in the palace and his own entrance to the palace so that he could go in through the side, much like a tradesman's entrance, but he could come and go as he pleased without causing too much commotion. With vodka on tap, I'm sure. Absolutely. Because of the secrecy regarding Alexei's condition nobody could work out why Rasputin was being shown so much favor by the Romanovs and of course this is how rumors start people were still convinced that Rasputin was a clisty and believe it or Uh, not Russia had an incredibly free press at the time and an article in the Moscow Gazette portrayed him as a lecherous womanizer, a hypnotic, yeah, a hypnotic social climber, and a pseudo prophet suffering from spiritual delusion. Oh dear! Other articles focused on his drinking and his debauchery, and he didn't really help himself because when he was drinking, he suffered from booze bollocks. What? He drank What's booze. booze bollocks. He drank booze. He talked bollocks. <laughs> He loved shocking aristocratic women by talking about horse sex and he would get very handsy with them, grabbing a chesticle or pinching their asses. He had a bunch of followers that he called his little ladies that would buy him gifts, arrange his appointments and stuff and weirdly, they even copied the way he talked and moved. And these were aristocratic women, not peasants or impressionable girls. One of these women, Olga Lactine, was 40 years old when she first met Rasputin and had for years been in pain with a chronic intestinal infection, which she says was cured almost the instant Rasputin prayed with her. And from then on, she belonged to him. She purportedly abandoned her family to follow him, believing him to be Christ and her, the Virgin Mary. (laughs) Now, as she already had children, I'm not sure how that works. She could be the Virgin Mary. (laughs) But according to one documentary about Rasputin and those times, she was found in his room, gripping his dong, screaming, you are Christ. And he replied, you are a skunk who demands sin. Smooth talking bastard. (laughs) 
He's no. done well for himself as Rasputin so far. It's going to get even better, I suspect. Well, there was a half dozen or so women who accused Rasputin of forcing them to have sex with him multiple times, but Alexandra wasn't having any of it. He was responsible for her beloved son's continued health and he could do no wrong. The black princesses during this time had given Raz a lot of money, enough to buy a massive house in his hometown, which he would visit often to show off. You could just see him down the pub saying, oh, I was just saying to Nicholas last night. Oh, sorry, the czar, you may have heard of him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's better than your pirate accents. Anyway, one day his wife was showing a friend around the house and they came across Rasputin having sex with another woman in a room in his own house. (laughs) His wife barely blinked an eyelid. She just told her friend that it was his burden Each man must bear his cross, and this was his cross. He was exercising demons and shut the door and carried on. Now, I think she was a little bit smarter than she was letting on. She's gone from mud hut to three-bed semi, and she's not letting go. (laughs) She figured, well, at least the stinky bastard isn't after me. Exactly. Yeah. Well, at this point, life was about to get a lot more complicated for Rasputin with both both the church and the state and the start of World War One. 1916-18. Where were you? I mean, I know you were around. You can't have forgotten. (laughs) Really, it started in 14, did it? Yes. Oh, dear. Well, hang on a second. It kicked off because of who was that? Wasn't it a Russian boss's Arch- face that got it shot? It was Archduke Ferdinand. Exactly. Who got assassinated? Oh, no. He was a he was an Austrian. He was Austrian, yeah. And that was that was it was unthinkable that someone so unimportant <laughs> could cause such a world war, uh, a massive reaction. So we're we going to uh, carry on next week, or is uh... you're very perceptive because that brings us to the end of part two really? of our now three part series on the Mad Monk. I underestimated how much there was to squeeze into this. There's a lot to unpack. And I don't, I don't want it to go stale or drag it on for too long in one episode. I think there's plenty left for one more episode. And I think it's entertaining enough to, to do that. Uh, no, I th- it's not only entertaining, it really is quite interesting. Yeah, I'm actually learning stuff. And I thought um, I knew everything. Now I know <laughs> I do. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm almost tempted to see if there's a film about Rasputin. Oh, can you do that after next week? Oh, yes, of course. So no I don't spoilers. Know cons- yes, exactly. You're right. Very sensible. Well, another good one, Andy. Well done. Oh, I'm actually really enjoying uh, the the whole process. I, it's, it's, I can understand why people have to give up work to do this full time. I was literally three, really? hour, three and a half hours yesterday typing up notes. And really? after, after work, I was my eyes were closing at the screen. It's ridiculous. Uh, it does um, pay dividends, though. The fluency of the story is certainly much better when, um, uh, when obviously you you've already in your own mind sort of worked out what you're going to say and what you're going to talk about. Yeah, and it's quite helpful because I know that. I mean, we speak for an hour, and that's like three thousand words of notes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that because it's in front of me, two thousand nine hundred and seventy words to be exact. Really. Yeah. Well, you could write a book at the end of all of this. I've already written one. I've written one last night. <laughs> In fact, if it was a children's book, it would be a, a ten-parter. 
I don't think Rasputin could be the the main character in a children's book. It's the, oh, the opposite. But you're so wrong because he's already been a star in a Disney film. Rasputin. He was the mad monk in Anastasia. Um, um well, I must have seen it though. Anastasia is a recent one, isn't it? Well, it's yeah, not it's not from the thirties or forties. I mean, it is a it is a, a modern day one. Your children would have definitely seen it. All right. Well, then I've probably seen it. Anastasia, of course, was the older princess daughter of the Romanovs who was legendary or legend has it that she survived. And there was a woman parading herself around claiming to be Anastasia for many years. All right. She was proven to be a liar at the end. Oh, not so good then. No, but that's good. I think it does justify um, a third episode, Rasputin. Well, I hope both of our listeners are enjoying the story. Have you had any reports from Jimmy the Communist? Uh, he hasn't been to work this week. I think he's out forming what? a new revolution. Oh, dear. Well, he has, and look what he did. Yeah. He screwed up the whole bloody parliament. Yeah, thanks, mate. Because I can't remember what happened. I think it, what, the communists weren't involved, but uh, no, it was... the Greens refused to vote with the uh, Sferia Democratinas. It was basically uh, Lenin. <laughs> well, it was. It was it was Lenin who was in charge of the uh, Bolsheviks, and it was Lenin that overthrew the um, empire ship, as it were, and brought in the constitutional monarchy. Are you going to reveal when that happened? It must have been. Was it immediately after the First World War? Oh, now you're asking me questions about things that I haven't researched because they're not particularly relevant to this story. Although I know uh, everything, I sometimes need reference. <laughs> Well, I'm sure it will come out in the fullness of time. Yes, much like Rasputin's dong. <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about with his peony. <laughs> well, I thought it quite illuminating that when you talked about getting an invisible hat, the first thing that jumped into your mind was, was hanging about toilets, hanging around toilets. <laughs> I don't know where you get these ideas from. What world do you live in? Yeah, my mind is in an amazingly intricate place. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Of all the places I would go if I was invisible, I don't think toilets would appear on the list at all. Well, what if you really needed to go? <laughs> think of the fun you could have standing next to someone and just start peeing. <laughs> These are the thoughts that you have and I never have. Well, you could stand next to someone who's sitting on the throne and just as they're about to let loose, you could go, plop. <laughs> God. Uh, anyway, yeah. I'd like to thank you both for listening. I hope you found this entertaining and I hope you tune in for next week's episode, which will be the final episode because even I can't deal with this much dick for four weeks. <laughs> so feel free to check out our website, www. I was going to say rasputin.com then. Strange, no, strangestuffpodcast.com, uh, where you can find links to our Instagram where you need to follow us. We're growing slowly but steadily. And every week there's fabulous new pictures that I spend two, maybe three minutes doing every every time. <laughs> We've also got our email there, strangestuffpodcasts at gmail.com. Feel free to drop us a line if you want us to talk about a story or a weird thing in particular, and we'll just ignore it. <laughs> And the other one is the Twitter. Yes, you can follow us on Twitter, which we doubled doubled our Twitter following this week. To four? Two. Oh, to two, what was it? <laughs> <laughs>
which is always good, but we could always <laughs> use more. Anyway, thanks for listening. Have yourselves Very a strange good. week and we'll see you next time.